Well, hello there, listener, and welcome to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and I got a question for you. Do you want to get tough? I mean, really tough. Not, not that like John Wayne, cowboy, chewing on glass, fake masculine projection tough. I mean, real tough, mentally tough. Because to me, this fake idea where you're kind of like projecting toughness, that's not all that interesting. What I'm interested in is how do the people who go through incredible challenges in their lives, not only are they able to weather it with grace and humility, even kindness, but the people who grow through those challenges, it makes them better. It gives them purpose and meaning and ways that they contribute, not just to the things that they love in their lives, but to things even greater than themselves. To me, that's real mental toughness. You know, life has all of these inevitable challenges, things that we know are going to happen. We're going to lose people. We're going to be heartbroken. We're going to go through hardships. It's part of being human. But how we handle those challenges, the things that we tell ourselves, the things that we, that we experience, how can we meet them with mental toughness? That's what I'm interested in. That's what I want to talk about today. You know, I've known some people who've gone through some incredible challenges in their lives, friends who've been diagnosed with life-threatening illnesses and have had their sense of humor the entire time that they've literally thought they're alive. I know people who have lost children and they've let that fuel their purpose and meaning in the world. You know, last year I was volunteering with the Travis Manion Foundation. It's a veteran service nonprofit. And as part of their Spartan Leaders Program, this is a seven month long leadership development program that they do. And I had the pleasure of meeting Rooster Rossiter. And he is the founder of the nonprofit Ainsley's Angels. And so Ainsley was his daughter uh, who unfortunately passed. But part of their bonding through her illness was that he would take her out for runs in a running wheelchair. And it sparked his passion for running. It was a huge part of, of him bonding with her, her loving the experience and also very healing for him. And what he did with that experience was found this nonprofit that provides racing chairs for people who are not able to run on their own. And if they don't already have a runner in their lives, Ainsley's Angels partners them with other runners to push the racing chair so that these people could experience the, the joy, the connection, the elevation, the self-transcendence of racing, of being in a, a running race. And so Rooster took this incredibly challenging thing in his life. And it fueled through his mental toughness, his resilience, his passion and his meaning and his purpose. And I'm sure if you look around your own life, you can think of these people who through some incredible set of factors, they are able to grow and thrive despite what they have been through. That's resilience. So what makes someone like that, that's what I want to talk about. That's mental toughness. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall, and we're going to talk about how do you build that kind of mental toughness? 
You know, it's unfortunate to me that over the last few years, resilience has become this buzzword because there is an actual science, a study of resilience. And so when I'm using the word resilience, I'm using it under the technical definition of resilience, which is to weather life's challenges to go through these inevitable, difficult times that we all face, but to do so without being negatively affected. Maybe you even grow through them. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, as a, as a culture, as a society, about post-traumatic stress disorder. But I find that in my life, there's very few people I encounter who've heard about post-traumatic growth. You know, trauma in this case, referring to when you're, you're feeling your resources are overwhelmed, you are unable to cope with the stressors that you are going through. So you experience trauma. And instead of being beat down by that trauma, it actually becomes a spark for you to grow and contribute from. So resilient people are people who at the very least come out the other side still themselves, but maybe they're also people that grow, that are sparked. They don't, they roll with the punches. They look for lessons, for opportunities. They're pushing forward. They're mentally tough. But mental toughness matters so much more than how we talk about it in, I find in the fitness space. A lot of times, like if you go off and you Google and you look at some like popular fitness websites, you'll find things where they talk about like, you know, pushing through ultra marathons or, you know, extreme athletes, professional athletes. How do they mentally get themselves to do whatever? But mental toughness, so that's so much more than that. So you, you know, you can be productive, you can deal with stress at works, sure, but it's linked to increased longevity, to greater well-being, to improved mental health and better long-term mental health outcomes, increased satisfaction with your life, uh, success, like achieving your goals, goal attainment. So if you want to be happier, healthier, you want to have a rich life, the skills of resilience are essential to that. And further, it gives you more resources to help other people. You're more readily available to pursue your goals, to find purpose and whatever's meaningful to you. So the cool thing about resilience as a science, you know, there's a whole process around how we study resilience. So I want to geek out for just a second and kind of share how that whole thing works on the back end. So first, take a whole bunch of people and you measure their resilience. Like how resilient is this big cohort of people? And then you isolate the ones who have high resilience. And then we look at what do all these people who are really resilient have in common? What are the common factors in the lives of resilient people? And resilience researchers are able to isolate those factors. And then you take another group of lower resilience people. And what happens if you give half of them the resilient stuff, the stuff that resilient people have, you teach them the mental skills, you give them support, and then the other half you kind of leave, leave alone. What happens? And what they found, this is over years and years, decades of research, is that the low resilience group, given the factors of resilience that the high resilience group had, they become more resilient. So what does this mean? This means that mental toughness can be grown, that you take people who are struggling, who don't feel resilient, 
you teach them these resilience factors and their resilience grows with time. So you can learn resilience. You can learn mental toughness. So what are these magical things that resilient people have in common? Why I'm so glad that you asked. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. My name is Darlene Marshall. We're talking about how can you build mental toughness? And according to the American Psychological Association, these factors of resilience, these strategies that you can use to learn it in your own life fall into four categories. So the first is connection. Then we have wellness, mindset, and purpose. And we're going to break all four down. So let's start with connection. You know, earlier I made a joke about John Wayne. Despite all the cowboy tropes, the idea of like being alone in the saddle, you know, you're a, a what do they call it, a maverick, a lone wolf. All of those tropes of toughness, they're actually totally wrong <laughs> because we are deeply social creatures. We are deeply interconnected as human beings. Our ideas about who we are and what we value are greatly affected by the people around us. And that means that when you feel that sense of connection in a variety of ways, it makes us far more resilient. So the obvious one is relationships, having deeply connected strong interpersonal relationships where you feel like you can be vulnerable, you can be your authentic self, you have people who are going to show up for you. If you've ever listened to this show before, you've probably heard me talk about my grandmother. I love my grandmother. The fact that my grandmother exists and has ever existed makes me more resilient, right? She's someone I can look up to, someone I can go to, someone I know I can be myself with. Uh, another way that connection can give us mental toughness, can boost us up is through groups, groups, specifically groups that validate our identity, that give us a sense of purpose and value. So this might be charity groups. This might be nonprofit organizations, social clubs. This could also be religious or spiritual organizations. So maybe you have a deep cultural identity something that you really align value and feel called toward, that makes you more resilient. And the more that you lean into the way that that feels when things are challenging, those values and ideals that you've been taught and that you align with, the more mentally tough you're going to be. And it's not only important for psychological support, it's important for actual tangible resources. So if you think about it, you know, how many religious or spiritual institutions out there offer, you know, a place to go for counseling or food. Um, you know, I know we have a community soup kitchen supported by a local religious organization. Uh, in some places, they're health services. So you're going to get more actual tangible resources having these groups to support you. Part of that is the willingness to let them support you. And the more identified you are with them, the more that you're going to let them in. Um, and this is a big one. And this is one I don't see talked about a lot out there. People to have fun with, you know, our positive emotional experiences are completely different than negative emotions. They do different things in the brain. And some of those things that positive emotions do, well, they're a reparative function to stress. So if you're going through something difficult and then you go out and have fun with your best friend, you're going to be more resilient than if you, I don't know, stayed home and like binge Netflix. So it also allows us to bond with other people and create the relationships where we then can be vulnerable and get support. 
So having people and having events that you can go off and have fun and blow off some steam is a really important part of mental toughness. So we've talked about connection. Let's talk about wellness because this is another big one that I feel like it's so overlooked. We talk about mantras and we talk about affirmations and we talk about self-talk and we talk, you know, but we're not really talking about how we're treating ourselves when we're talking about being mentally tough. Because while we want to talk about like the difference between mind and body and the connection between mind and body, you are one integrated organism. Your self doesn't really separate into mind, mental toughness and body, body resilience. You're all one thing. And stress and burnout aren't only psychological, they're also physical. So we can talk all we want about like extreme and professional athletes being super mentally tough and how those last miles are all about your mindset or whatever. But they're only able to do that because they have really tight sleep hygiene and really dialed in hydration, right? So when we're talking about your mental toughness, when you know you're going through some challenging times, good sleep hygiene, eating well, eating in ways that support good digestion, maybe even supplementation, getting movement that feels restorative and nourishing as opposed to like, yeah, I'm going to push myself through this thing, even though I'm tired and, and have been beat down. Um, you know, meditation, hydration practices. You know, the flip side of this is also avoiding depressive and dissociative substances. So, you know, alcohol, too much caffeine, THC, other plant medicines that you're using for reasons other than, you know, a religious ceremony or spiritual connection. Those substances can be depressing in ways that then whittle away your resilience. And, you know, kind of along the same line is practicing of mindfulness, practicing of meditation as a way to connect with and soothe the body. You know, mental toughness starts with self-awareness and building that internal connection and learning those internal tools are going to help you relate to yourself and your values and your experience in deeper ways that you can then leverage the next two things we're going to talk about. So you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. We're talking about how to build mental toughness. We've talked about connection, talked about wellness. So let's talk about mindset. So your mindset is the set of beliefs, you know, whether generally or on specific topics that shape how we run our lives. If I've got a very limited mindset, you know, I, I think... Let's say I think I'm bad at talking to people. If I grew up in such a way that tells me that I'm going to tell myself, Darlene's bad at talking to people. Am I going to go out and start a coaching business, start a podcast, be on this podcast network? No, because I've got this limited mindset about what I'm capable of. I'm telling myself a story. Well, I'm not good at talking to people. Clearly, I don't have that story because I talk a lot at all the time. But you probably have mindset beliefs that you're aware of or maybe you're not aware of that are going to affect your resilience. If you tell yourself, well, I'm just not a very good at stress. Stress overwhelms me. That's a very different story than telling yourself like, yeah, I can handle this. Mindset is a big part of mental toughness because what we believe shapes our reality 
and how we approach ourselves in our own lives. And I want to teach you two of the core psychological concepts that drive mental toughness. This is the psychology underneath those like magazine articles on like being tougher or pushing yourself through hard workouts or whatever. So these two foundational psychological concepts, skill sets. The first one is learned helplessness. So learned helplessness is the state where someone is experiencing a stressful situation that they can't get out of. And they're in that state over and over and over and over until eventually they give up and they stop trying to get out of the bad situation. And what they've essentially learned is that it's not possible to change their circumstances. But here's the kicker. This is why this matters. Even when the circumstances change, the person who's experiencing learned helplessness still won't try to get out anymore because they've learned that it's not possible even when the circumstances change. And this is subconscious. They don't know that they're doing it. That person has learned that it can't be different and it won't change otherwise. The good news is that if that person is walked, handheld walked through the solution over and over with patience and care, they can unlearn the helplessness. So the difference between the person who falls into helplessness and the person who doesn't is hope. The person who's experiencing learned helplessness has lost the hope that things will change. And hope, optimism, the belief that things can get better is what keeps us mentally tough. So when we go through repeated challenges, long-term, feels like it's wearing us down kind of challenges, reminding yourself of things that you are hoping for keeps you from learning helplessness. And that is a core concept to being mentally tough and resilient. So learned helplessness, the second one is optimism and the hope leads right into this. We are taught to think that optimism is a personality trait, right? Like, oh, I'm an optimistic person. In psychology, we don't think of it as a personality trait. We call it optimistic explanatory style. It's how a person explains life's challenges to themselves. So in, this, in that way, what we'd call like an optimistic person is someone who tells themselves that life's challenges are temporary. So things, things change, they're always gonna change, they're gonna keep changing, and this challenge is not forever. So it's temporary, it's limited, that the challenge is only affecting the area of your life that it's affecting, and it doesn't mean that everything is bad and that the challenges are not a personal reflection. That all people go through stuff just because this is hard doesn't mean I am a loser or I am bad. So let me just recap that. An optimistic person, someone who is looking for ways that they can get out of this, ways that things are gonna improve, they maintain their hope, they're resilient to helplessness, is someone who sees challenges as short-term, they're limited just to the problem, and they're not a personal reflection that like, I am personally bad. That's an optimistic person. An optimistic person is gonna hope 
for things to get better. They're going to be looking for opportunities for things to improve. They're going to be looking for steps they can take to make things better. And that is going to make them more mentally tough. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. We're talking about how can you build mental toughness. And right now we're unpacking what does the American Psychological Association say that the the groupings of things that build mental toughness. So we've talked about connection, talked about wellness, and we just talked about mindset. And so number four is purpose. Now I could do an entire episode on purpose and we probably will. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. And there's plenty of studies that show that purpose is a major factor in life satisfaction, but it's a little tricky because when you're young, let's say you're in your 20s, the search for purpose is what makes you have more life satisfaction. But as you age, it's having purpose that increases life satisfaction and drive. Right. So you're in your 20s, you're just starting out in life and you're like, what's my purpose? You're like that song in Avenue Q. Um, So what's my purpose? You're out there searching for purpose. The search for purpose gives you meaning and fuels you. But as you get a bit older, you know, I'm pushing 40 now. So like pick your threshold of what older looks like. Uh, It's having that purpose, having that drive. Now, The sticky wicket for me is I hate the way people talk about purpose because people talk about it like it's a binary, like you have it or you don't. I actually think it evolves as we evolve and grow as people. And it's the way that we frame it as that mindset thing again, that actually affects how we think about purpose in our lives. So I want to encourage you to think about purpose, not a singular, like there's one reason I'm here, but as an evolution that happens as you evolve yourself. But when it comes to mental toughness, having goals, seeing life struggles as part of something meaningful, something higher, right? I talked about Rooster and Angel's Angels, seeing what he and his family were going through as an opportunity to learn so that he might serve has been deeply soothing to him. Um, And it allows us to connect our actions to our values, to our purpose. So we're growing toward something, toward our higher callings, and we're able to find meaning then in what we're going through. So together, all of that gives us an opportunity to then reframe our challenges, our struggles in the service of what we value. And that's why purpose matters, because it's how we explain all of this to ourselves in the bigger picture, right? If mindset is our moment-to-moment beliefs, Purpose is the bigger reasons that we're going through whatever it is that we're going through. So I want to distill this down to another example, because it may be a little bit of a cliche example, but I think it's actually powerful, even if it's a cliche, because it's the cliche. And that's Oprah. So if you know anything about Oprah's life, you'll hear a lot of resonance here. But if you don't, buckle up. So We all know, if you know anything about Oprah's life, she had decades of inappropriate public comments on her weight, her appearance, a lot of racism that she struggled with, her sexual identity. You know, even though she was partnered, people made all kinds of comments about her and her best friend, you know, just really whittled her down in the public space. And she just rode that out. 
But early in her life, Oprah had a traumatic childhood. She suffered years of sexual violence. Um, it eventually resulted in a pregnancy when she was 14. And a few weeks after the baby was born, it died. But if you think about what I said earlier about learned helplessness, the hope that things could change, she was going through trauma over and over and over again, but she told herself that it wouldn't always be that way, that she was not going to be a victim of her circumstance and she would find a way out. So she manages to go back to school. She finishes high school. She gets a scholarship to college. And then she starts out in local television. But as a Black woman, she was a rarity and she was treated as you might expect for the times. Now, she owns her own television network. And when we look at the purpose, the evolution of her purpose throughout her journey, the things that she was telling herself play a huge role in that journey. So early on in her life, once she got out of the worst of that trauma of her childhood, she told herself, I'm going to be a millionaire by age 32. That was the goal, this big, audacious goal. And it was so that she never had to worry about money again. So then that purpose evolved to, I'm going to be the richest Black woman in America, which she is. Eventually, she thought, I'm going to control all media representation of my character, my appearance, and my life story. Because she wanted to get to the point that she had the power to control how she was represented. Again, she did. And she did all of this through relentless positivity and a focus on self-improvement for others. She wanted to inspire other people to live their own lives in big, audacious, and great ways where they had control. They had control of themselves. So how does this practice look in your life? You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall. This whole episode has been about mental toughness, but now I want to give you the goods. How to build mental toughness in your life. I want to give you some daily tips, but I also want to point out there is an article on the NASM blog under the same title as this episode that summarizes all of these tips and more. So let's dive a little deeper. First, I encourage you to link your daily wellness habits to, you know, purpose, meaning your big whys in your life. You know, it's easy to skip meditation if you're doing it because like, no, oh, it's good for me. But if it's connected to your purpose and your calling, if you are meditating because you believe that it's going to unlock the potential that you hold inside you, that's a whole different story that you're going to be telling yourself first thing in the morning when you really just want to move on to your cup of coffee. So link your daily habits to meaning and purpose and your big whys in life, and you're more likely to do them. The second would be to connect with others who are on a similar path to you. You know, it's difficult to change your life. If it wasn't difficult, personal trainers, wellness coaches, fitness professionals, life coaches, we wouldn't exist. This show wouldn't exist if people could just change their lives. And one of the challenges to changing your life to self-development work is being surrounded by people who don't necessarily have the values that you want in your life. So if you've got people in your life who are, you know, a bit negative and they're holding you in your own old patterns, connecting with other people 
who are on your spiritual path, who are on a self-development journey, who have the same hobby as you. And it doesn't have to be challenging, but it could also be people who share similar trauma, like a support group. So find other people who are working in similar ways to you so that you can support one another. The third one is having some kind of mindfulness practice. And if meditation is not your thing, cool. Mindful eating, mindful walking, mindful yoga. There's so many other ways that you can practice mindfulness in your life that aren't like sitting on a cushion and breathing. Not that that's all that meditation is, but you get the idea. So finding practices that ground you in yourself each day so that you can hone that skill of mindfulness, which is necessary so that you can catch yourself when you're shifting your mindset or you're having self-limiting beliefs because mindfulness is the first step in changing all of that. So we've got daily habits to purpose, finding other people on a similar path, practicing mindfulness. The fourth one I want to give you, learn to reframe your pessimistic thinking. When you catch yourself saying things like, oh, I just can't do this, or I'm not good at that, flip that into a growth-oriented mindset by just adding yet. So I'm not good at spelling. I'm not good at spelling yet. I'm not very fast at running. I'm not very fast at running yet. And suddenly there's room to breathe. There's room to work. There's room to grow. Those might be a few trite examples, but I'm sure that you have some in your own life. And if you are deeply struggling with this framing, if you know that you have pessimistic thoughts where you tell yourself, I'm a loser, things are horrible, they're always going to be horrible, seek out someone trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. It is very helpful toolkit against pessimistic thinking. And then this last practice that I want to share with you around building mental toughness is connecting daily with hope. You know, we've spent the last decade like pumping up gratitude practice and that gratitude practice is great. There's a bunch of excellent research on gratitude practice. But what if we took those same ideas around intentional connection to a positive emotional experience? And when you know you're going through something challenging, what about practicing hope? What are you hoping for? What are you looking forward to? And if you can't answer that question, that's a little blinking dashboard light in your mind to go out and plan positive experiences so that you get a little drip of hope every day to keep you optimistic, to keep you resilient to helplessness, to keep you looking forward to things. And maybe you have a big audacious goal that you can invest yourself in, that you can hope for and keep chugging along at the process each day so that you have something positive to focus on. All right, there was a lot in that episode, but mental toughness is one of those things that I love sharing and talking about. So if you've got questions, I really wanna hear them. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment, but also you should subscribe and like the episode and share it maybe. Uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, you can do so. I'm darlene.coach. And I would love for you to DM me your questions, your comments, your thoughts. Please do not be shy. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, and wherever you're listening to this podcast, please do subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review because that would be a great way that you can support the show. I'm so grateful to have you. 
I'm so grateful to be a part of Better Than Fine. And thank you for joining us. Thank you.